guest for this episode is Dan Asio. He's an independent singer-songwriter who's based out of the suburbs here in Chicago, and he's also the co-host of the local music podcast, The Underbelly Hours. Uh, the track we just heard was Hardly Know Ya off of Dan's sophomore EP that he released last fall called Still Jaded, and we're going to play a couple of more tracks throughout the episode tonight. Um, but for right now, we're going to get to know Dan a little bit more, talk some shop about just being a musician, a performer, uh, dealing with the uh, trials and tribulations of actually having COVID, and uh, talking about what it really means to um, be somebody who is a supporter of our local scene here as a fellow podcaster. Uh, the end of November, I put out a, a six-song EP. Um that was partly, half of it was re-recorded tunes from a previously released acoustic uh, three-song EP. I wanted to uh, kind of update those with the full band sound, and then I yeah. added three new ones. And uh, because I, I, I can't, uh, hmm. like I, I write things on the acoustic guitar, but I always envision them with much more layers and instruments and, and stuff like that. And so when I put out the acoustic EP, it was like almost there. There was just some things that I wasn't completely, uh, I don't know, artistically you, fulfilled with. <laughs> you wanted to have a fuller band sound and kind of that yeah, kind of presence with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I just went ahead and did it and pretty much did everything uh myself as far as instruments i got my friend to record the drums oh cool and then yeah uh, a great now uh, a buddy of mine um grant mitchell did all the recording and producing he totally acted as like a producer as well kind of guiding yeah. me through some uh, extra layering ideas and production uh techniques and stuff like that and that's cool mixed and mastered and everything and i was like dude that's it, it came out great I, I loved it yeah i was just listening to it earlier off of your band camp the production values are really good on it so great tunes and, and such so um is your kind of goal with that you know since you went with more of a fuller band type sound are you do you have like a, a sort of a, a lineup that you're playing with live now or are you still mostly like a solo artist yeah i have a, a couple buddies that um that I can kind of pull out whenever an opportunity arises for the full band lineup. Oh, cool. But um, it's just a, logistically, it's, it's a lot easier to oh, for sure. and right. play <laughs> right. and, and book things, you know, like, uh, right. Plus the I juggle. got so used, to, yeah. yeah, I got so used to doing the solo thing after just a year. Cause I, I started with a, a band, um, like in 2013 and that's that was like my main focus up until the pandemic hit it was like i thought that was going to be my only musical project really was just like the band i was in which was called tonic freight train it was like this heavy funk rock band uh heavily influenced by like chili peppers and incubus and some other 90s alt rock bands um but that kind of fell apart, especially when the pandemic hit. And uh, I had all these other songs that just weren't ever going to fit that project that I just kind of had 
laying around and I was like, well, maybe I, maybe I should just do this, get these out there and try and do the solo thing. Cause it just, it, it's easy. Yeah. It was a lot easier. And I was just so, I was just so defeated after right. the band fell apart. I was like, I don't know if I can find more guys that I vibe with. And like, I just don't know if I have the energy for that right now. Sure. It's the chaos of the, the world <laughs> that it was in just yeah. a year ago. Right. Yeah. Hey, uh, um, with the whole band dynamic thing, I mean, I, I would imagine it's just, it's just such a, a change everything about life in general. Um, but just having, you know, people are impacted on different levels with things. And I, I go through this with my own band as well. Um, we're just not able to play shows right now. Um, just mm-hmm. due to personal constraints with myself. Um, but also with one of the other members of my band and, you know, I do have thoughts of like, all right, well, what are we doing here then? Um, my band, it's, 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 we're still recording. We're still writing. So <clears throat> there, there is that um, ability to still create together, which keeps it alive. That's good. Right. You know? But if, you know, I, I, you know, we, we did kind of hit in a deer where it was like, you know, right after things kind of uh, shut down where I was like, God, what's going on? And then, you know, it hits you personally too, where it's like, what am I doing? Like what, you know, I had gigs lined up, like everyone else, you have gigs lined up, you, mm-hmm. have, you know, maybe you're going to go in and do a, a few tunes in the studio or whatnot. And, you know, that's part of your musical life. And, you know, being at it for since 2013, in a sense, that's kind of a longer term commitment, you know, but then everything just kind of winds down. It's like, kind of reevaluation of that so I, I i can empathize with that for sure um yeah and and it was it was rough because like it was a it was kind of i mean revolving door might be a little harsh but you know like there was several right. lineups throughout the history sure of that that project and it was what always create attention was just the commitment level right of, of the musicians where you know you guys hit it off and the chemistry's there right and everything's going great and they are 100 percent committed but then the right the the wear and tear starts showing and they don't right you know seem to have that drive two years in if oh yeah are like yeah. happening as some people expect they should happen within and, two years yeah. they start getting like you know, uh, doubtful or insecure. And that leads to other like weird uh, tensions and everyone's egos start getting in the way. And it's like, I'm, I'm of the philosophy of like, it's a, it's a grind man. And we got to, Oh yeah, absolutely. I was going to say that. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you don't just, I mean, if you're lucky, if you're lucky, you might break into something right within a year, but even then that's like, Nah, man, it's it's different times now too. Like it's not yeah. like there's A and R guys out everywhere. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to love doing it, and for the yeah. sake of being an artist, like for me, the older I get, and I've been playing guitar for a long time, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> been in quite a few bands um, at different levels of success over you know that very long period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I haven't shied away or, or stopped the idea of like, I'm, I'm not going to play music anymore, but you, you really, you have to like, you have to love doing it. 
you know, and it's not an instinct, you know, as, as you're kind of alluding to with uh, this kind of the conversation with the lineup changes, there's no instant gratification in any of this, especially now, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, before back in the day when there were labels out there and like you're saying, there's A&R guys. And then, you know, uh, if you get your, your play, your cards right. And you're able to get in front of somebody who can give you a small budget to either back you to work on a demo in like a studio, um, mm-hmm. you know, that it's still it's still as much of a grind as you know say 25 30 years ago as it is now when you're doing all this stuff as you know at your own man you know you're sitting there with your your what your digital workstation or your your, your whatever your recording tool is you know mm-hmm. writing all this stuff or trying to record all the stuff and it's always good to have that you know that person who can be an objective voice from a, like a mixing mastering and arranging standpoint to kind of help along because I, I i find that just to be really valuable but like it's not a it's not like uh you push a button and all of a sudden you're successful by any stretch of the imagination you really just have to enjoy the whole thing warts and Mm -hmm. all you 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 know um so i I definitely you feel you on that man um with the acoustic stuff is is that something that you just kind of got into by sort of a utility with things changing with from the pandemic or have you always been sort of an acoustic oriented person and that's just kind of you kept that as your focus yeah, actually, it was kind of, it's funny, it's kind of going back to the the band, well, a little mm-hmm. bit before that, so, like, right. I guess what started my guitar journey was um, just at, like, 14, wanting to learn Chili Peppers tunes, <laughs> yeah. that was that was the yeah. band that, like, spoke to me the most in high yeah. school, and John Frusciante's riffs were just, like, always the most yeah. fun to listen to, like, that was, I guess, maybe the first time him and also like Aerosmith in middle school was a huge influence of mine sure Joe Perry's riffs like yep those two guys really made me listen to the guitar parts yeah before it was always just like you know I was kind of a, a musical theater kid I, I just loved okay. singing and I, I always paid more attention to the vocals and the lyrics and the you know how that played over everything so then I learned a few riffs and it was kind of spotty and I was able to just kind of like have fun with the guitar but uh yeah when I started doing the band stuff uh in college the band started with um a couple of my friends but they were so musically more advanced than I was like I really felt like an Anthony Kiedis because I was just the singer guy (laughs) trying to make cool melodies and all these guys are talking like intense right. music theory knowledge right like oh i don't want to just be a singer like i want to know what's going on too i want to be able to write more intricate melodies too i need to know what's going on so i basically switched my college focus from musical theater or just theater rather uh to music um because that just seemed like where my passion was being pulled anyways right uh and so when you major as a uh, music major you have to pick a right focus instrument yep and um i was like well i let me kind of split split it up you know because you know my foundation is singing and that's decent i mean it was compared to now it was horrible (laughs) yeah but you know i was like i could do some vocal lessons but i really need to learn more guitar stuff i want to help maybe write some guitar parts and it was either jazz or classical. They didn't have anything else. And so I was like, well, classical seems interesting. And 
my first lesson he was like well you need a classical guitar and I was like what what's the difference and I was blown away like and then I got thrown into the world of classical guitar music and I fell in love and that just became a another side passion yeah amidst me trying to learn all the music and get right. all this become a better musician just to be a front man in a funk rock band I was yeah. also like just Playing. jamming quietly away in my well not quietly but like tucked yeah. away in my bedroom all these classical crazy like, things and getting, uh, get, getting your segovia on right yeah that's yeah cool. that's cool i just uh because segovia was i love uh segovia and he worked a lot with uh via lobos yep and because uh, i, I kind of took a, a break from the classical uh yeah. these past couple of years but i just got back into it and yeah I was able to pick up the five preludes again. And I nice. felt so, so satisfied. I was like, yes. Oh, yeah. No, I could talk about classical guitar forever, too. <laughs> yeah, we, we could go off on a whole side tangent. So, yeah, my 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 major in college, I also majored in music, was a, perf- a performance. I switched to composition. But um, I, I split and actually took both uh, classical and jazz lessons. Uh, I ended up focusing more on jazz as I got more into it. Um, just because I really like the improvisational aspects of it, but um, classical guitar, I'm really appreciating this now. And I just didn't think I I connected it intellectually or like thought about it. Um, But I liked playing it when I was in my my high school years. I was one of those kids. I grew up as a metalhead. So there were guys Mm -hmm. like Randy Rhodes who played with Ozzy Osbourne. And when I was coming up and then like all those like kind of shredder neoclassical guys that were out in like the eighties, um, we're all theory guys, you know, um, you know, they were kind of very technically oriented, but like, um, you know, I got interested in the classical stuff, mainly from listening to like Randy Rhodes, cause he had like his few pieces. Um, but mm-hmm. just the idea of like discipline of like what I thought was discipline at first of, you know, well, learning how to sight read and then learning like where to put your fingers and how to pluck everything and this kind of how to read the notation with all that. Um, and then there's just so much technique, especially with the picking side of it, that you have to really kind of think about and really develop as well with the, the finger and independence and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then I got okay at it. I, w- I, I wouldn't say like, you know, you know, when I'd play a recital, it would be anything to be like, oh, wow, you know, uh, you know, no Christopher Parkening or anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, you know, um, but like I go back to stuff now, like you're saying, like I, I, I've been in and out of it, but like I, I pick out some etudes or whatnot, or like my favorite piece to just play, like if I'm watching TV, the Credos de Alhambra, you know, mm. I just that what it mm-hmm. is is it's meditational, yeah, you know, um, and even even when you're like trying to read the chart too, and for me, like the sight reading thing is like it's like you know, right, riding a bike or whatever, you get rusty if you don't do it for a while, but then you start practicing it again. Um, but being able to sit in front of like, you know, just kind of sitting there and just kind of getting into that, that, that flow, like there's something about classical guitar playing. There's just a very meditational aspect to it for, for me anyways. Um, oh, definitely. I, I, I get back to every, every few years, I kind of go through a cycle where I would shed with it a little bit and, you know, it's just kind of therapeutic in a sense too. Um, and, and th- there's just a lot to it. I mean, you know, there's a argument from like the rock and jazz perspective, like, ah, well, you, you're just reading a bunch of notes off a sheet. I'm like, no, no, it's, 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 it
it's it's different yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you know there is the, the the rock and the rock side of thinking too and like you know you, you get that as well being a songwriter and you know playing in kind of a funk rock oriented sort of setup um and that's just a different part of the brain you know and different part of the heart as well um mm-hmm. but like yeah for me like classical is like it's it, you know getting into it is just that, that meditational process of it and it's just i don't know you, you feel like be you know especially if you're like doing a little bit every day you know that was kind of one of my teacher's things was like you know 15 20 minutes every day like if you're learning a new piece you know you know pick out like six, a 16 bar section or whatever you know but just try to work on it a little bit every day and he's like by the time two weeks have passed you're gonna you're feeling pretty fluid with it you know mm-hmm. um and just that that sort of regiment with that is almost like it's like again it's like a meditation practice so yeah, that that's cool, and it's very divergent to like you know again like we were talking about too like with rock and then just kind of that classical side you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, do any of the things you do uh, like with the finger picking and all that does that translate into what you're doing with your own material, or is it kind of more of a separate thing? Like just you keep your classical stuff kind of in its own little corner, and like your your the Dan Asio Asio uh, sort of original world like that's just kind of a different thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's going to make its yeah. way. These these songs that I have up now, yeah, um, never originated with any kind of finger picking style. But yeah, I have one original tune that I'm I'm playing out now, which is like my new favorite song. Yeah. It's, it's probably the and I know every musician says this about their latest stuff, but it of course definitely <laughs> is the best song I, I've written. Yeah. um and it's it's a lot more folky but it's all like yeah it's it's totally influenced by my right hand technique from the the classical and there's a couple other things in the the pipeline that i definitely integrated more right hand picking techniques but even with the songs i write now i like a lot of people hear the frusciante influence and yeah yeah, some of the songwriting i really like his his just approach to guitar in general man um i mean i love the stuff he did with the chili peppers for sure like he he brings that weird edge into the band like Mm -hmm. you know i mean i love flea uh you know the 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 rhythm section is just always super tight um and but john always has this and especially if you you listen to any of his solo stuff like it's like almost like this weird sort of avant-garde trippy sort oh, yeah. of wor- world you know um but yeah there's but there's something in that guy's playing too that there there's some like just re- real shit there it's like you're listening to like ornette coleman or like mm-hmm. just somebody of a different planet or a, at a different level of musicality who has that yeah. kind of innate sense in it but like he can he can also bring it down to like when he's play, he plays with the chili peppers and stuff that he recorded with them and also seeing him live too and like he's just mm-hmm. being super relatable but there's just like that, that there's like a fire in that guy's playing you know Oh yeah, and I, I try and uh, yeah, like just j- just analyzing like the songs that I have out right now. There's yeah. there's something that John does that he likes to kind of hold down a low end on guitar as yeah. well as as yeah, some yeah. high parts, and I feel yeah. like that always stuck with me when I found figured yeah. out that's what he was doing. And so there's like in the song "Hardly Know You," I start off with just a basic triad um for those chords uh and then i like this second time around or something i add the this little 
high E string note along with each of the, the chords in the chord progression. And I noticed I started doing that a lot with my writing is, is I'll, I'll play like a, a simplified chord to introduce the idea. And then I start flourishing it with what I have available, which is usually the pinky. And he was another guy that in, inspired me to really strengthen the pinky because yeah. yeah. like you can do a lot of stuff. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You, you know, just have a pretty strong pinky. Oh yeah. It's a then, very, uh, very underrated digit. And I don't oh, yeah. mean that in any kind of facetious way. And, and, you know, for the folks listening, yes, we're getting very into the weeds about yeah, guitar, are, tech, but... <laughs> guitar technique, but you're, you're two guitarists talking about music and eventually skews to that at some point, but we'll, we'll keep going. Um, yeah. so that, well, everyone's that's... a guitarist now. So, you know, everyone is yes. <laughs> Even the guitar heroes, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> They'll understand the pinky. Oh yeah. That's that the red, the red or the blue button or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> And you know, songs are a bitch to play. If you know, oh, yes, no joke. Can't get that pinky in time. There's a, a certain velocity you have to kind of hit it at, too, right? Yeah. Um, so what one of the other things I've noticed, and I, and I kind of as I was kind of just doing a little bit of research on your background, um, so you're based out of Wheaton, um, from, from my understanding. Oh, yeah, um, good old Wheaton. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I spent some time there, uh, lived there for a little bit when I was a kid, um, but. The one thing I, I'm late noticing as of late, especially with some of the other guests that are out in the burbs, is um, the the burbs are is really kind of coming around, especially with more of I guess I would say a younger generation of mm-hmm. um, there's like kind of an emerging scene of its own, um, which I'm excited to hear. Like there's and the, see the, the the homegrown music festival. Um, the um you know and then just the, the various folks on there including yourself who are, you know you're doing a, a monthly residence kind of thing at like dry city um mm-hmm. i'm hearing about other things out in the burbs too there's a lot it seems to be a lot more going on at a grassroots level like outside of venues but really a, a good sort of cooperative synergy happening with breweries yeah yeah yep, that seems to be the thing that i yeah also never i didn't right. know if that was always a thing no that was actually like that's new yeah, cause, man cause, you know as yeah. a, when you're in a band you're not looking at breweries to, no for places right. to play so yeah. i thought like maybe that was just always the thing the brewery oh. circuit and, and i didn't come oh, yeah. to know it until i started doing the solo thing but apparently no that's actually a, still a relatively new thing that all these breweries are yeah. appreciating the local artists and giving them time to come on and play the, last... the entire night. And they're not really right. strict on you have to play all covers. <clears throat> yeah. Like most of the time you can play originals with most of the breweries I've played at. They're totally like, yeah, yeah. showcase the original stuff too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I've seen like both ends of it too. I mean, I know for the most part, a lot of it is acoustic stuff, which is, is great. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. People like yourself, um, you know, I was looking at another guy I had on his other fellow Wheat Knight. I don't know, Wheatonian, or however you guys pronounce yourselves as. Um, I think Wheat Knight would be Wheat the right Knight. one. People yeah. from Wheaton. Um, this guy, Matt Durda, who's a, a, a country player. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was on a few months that. ago. Same thing. Um, you know, we, we talked about his gig at Dry City, and, and you know, he when he's not doing his full band shows, he typically targets and and books at these breweries and it's just it just seems like it's kind of a really good way just to kind of get out 
and hear original music out in the suburbs. One of the, the mm-hmm. things about the suburbs, especially around Chicago, is of course the tribute and cover band scene, and that seems oh, to like yeah. to be the ilk of like all the sports bars and, and sort of bigger bigger joints, I guess you could say, or, or what we is construed as venues. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's nice to see something that's a bit more like homegrown and it's more small business oriented that are kind of supporting the singer songwriter scene. And then there's also places like um, metal monkey and Romeoville. And there's a place mm-hmm. out, in, uh, I think it's in Joliet or Orland park sound growler. I mean, they, they tend to typically do more heavier shows, but they have full bands come in and they're starting to book more like indie type bands and rock oriented stuff, not just metal. Um, mm-hmm. But just, yeah, just seeing that that's a cool paradigm shift. We don't see that much here in the city proper as much. I, I just, um, I think some of it just might be that the, the breweries out in the burbs just have more space they're more set up for it that's just yeah. much more of a laid-back environment you know um but i i think that's that's kind of a fantastic thing and then just seeing like there's just a, more of a, a a pool of really great music that's coming up out, out by you guys that's just nice to be able to showcase that as well so um, yeah. Do you typically, yeah. when you guys do, when you do those shows, is it just like you just go there for a night? You kind of just do your own thing. It's not like a, a venue type show where you get together with a few other people. Like you just kind of have like a, a run of a night for two to three hours. Um, I have yet to get out there and really kind of experience that um, from a post pandemic or, you mm-hmm. know, uh, when, when things kind of die down standpoint. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of curious, like how, how has that been working for you as a sort of a singer songwriter and independent artist? Um, are you talking about just like all the brewery shows? And yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I love it because, um, cause it's just, it, it's usually, yeah, like a, you, you're playing the night, you're the, right. you're the act, right, right. which is, was extremely intimidating first getting into it also right because it was like oh it's just me there's nobody right. backing me up it's like I you're, really you're gotta, pretty naked up there right yeah yeah yeah. i gotta hold everything down i gotta you know i had to right. really get proficient with singing and playing at the same time and i i right. always overextend myself i i don't want to just play like all the four chord songs like i want to play <laughs> stuff that's like way more interesting to me as a guitar player but then that's right. way harder to sing over but you know you right. just kind of have to just practice 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 and so i i kind of developed like a a nice interesting set you know getting feedback from the patrons and stuff because yeah uh, i i play only what i like like for sure i don't and 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 sometimes like i'll i will learn a couple songs that are hits that i just never really vibed with and then i learn them and have a better understanding of them and it's like oh this actually isn't a bad song this is actually a pretty good song too okay well i'll put that in the set then all right but there are some songs where it's just like i I can't do sorry folks but like i I can't do any no 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 van morrison for me no neil diamonds (laughs) no yeah Yeah. no sweet caroline right yeah but uh but because I, I play my influences, it also yeah. leaves room where my originals make sense in right. context. Yep. And people, usually the recurring feedback I get is that people really enjoy my set lists that I, and my song choices. It's because 
it's not what they hear all the time from all the other you know cover right. bands or cover artists right. like you know it's not the same set list it's not the same like like it's a little bit of everything i because my influences range from 50s 60s 70s a little less in the 80s but then definitely comes right back in the 90s and just like it's all yeah. fair game for me and i try and play it as true to the recording as possible as far as like the yeah. guitar part too and i think people appreciate that as well that i don't you know try and dumb it down just to make it easier to play and sing yeah i I mean i guess the other thing too from an audience perspective too like there's something i don't know just more genuine like you're in a smaller intimate space um than like a crazy sports bar where all tvs are blaring and all that and you know Mm -hmm. it's you know a whatever tribute band that your your take on it's going to have read probably a bit more even if it's like a different interpretation of something but i mean you're trying to be faithful to it um, there's a certain level of authenticity that kind of co- comes along with that. Like um, you're putting your all into it in, in that sense, as opposed to just trying to pretend to be that person. Right. So, yeah. Um, and I think it does connect with uh, yeah. a lot of people. I, I have, yeah. you know, every time I play, there's at least a couple of people that will come up and, and then we'll just end up talking music for like another hour. Right. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's, I think a lot of music fans, music lovers are starting to realize how much talent there is in your backyard. Yeah, places, absolutely. You know, like, right. and, like I can name so many uh, singer, songwriter, solo acoustic acts that frequent the same right. spots that I'm starting to get into. And, and it's just like, yeah, when, when, there's something going on. There's so, so much good talent right now. And I think people are finally starting to take notice. They're, they're getting sick of the, the same old, same old, uh, the same old format, the same tribute bands, the same cover bands. And yeah, and I mean, looking he, for something a little bit more intimate, right, authentic. Right. And, and just, like, yeah, there'll be a lot of covers that night, but you'll also hear something pretty cool from that person as well. Originally. Yeah. Yeah. You're hearing that person there and you're not hearing a facsimile of uh, something else. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the other thing too with that too is, um, I mean, that's kind of a, a cool, ob- cool observation in that sense. Um, it, it's not a um, traditional sort of model. It's a different model in that sense. I mean, it's very similar to sort of the coffee house scene that we had out in, you know, I would say definitely in the suburbs, but also here in the city, um, mm-hmm. the early to mid nineties where there was a little bit of that. Um, it wasn't as prolific as you see with these like sort of uh, smaller independent breweries that are hosting shows now. But the idea I think is the same is to really showcase the, the artistry in the community. You know, the, the musicians that are around that area or that town or whatever, who are able to come out and have, have a place to actually just play, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's, there's just something just really kind of, um, uh, I would say sweet about that, you know, doesn't have to be this big production or um you know you don't have to go far for that it's just right there in your grasp so um i think yeah if i can add one last little thing on that yeah for sure man i think also another thing that might be happening too is um it seems it might be the start of a, a trend but even with like music that's coming out yeah. It seems like people are starting to ease off super produced type yeah. 
songs like people are going back to basics piano and voice guitar and voice and i think after especially after a year of everyone being cooped up and only like everyone basically surviving in a digital space i think people are kind of uh yearning for something yeah just more uh yeah authentic i guess uh bare bones something that's like yep it's them and an instrument and they're just yeah belting it out and it's it's beautiful like i I took a look at some of the grammy nominated songs and was pleasantly Uh yeah surprised that like four of the ones up for best songs were just like piano and voice yeah i wonder how much that has to do with just with the sort of the sea change that happened with the pandemic people are a lot more cynical now um you know it's less about oh i just want to go out and have a good time as opposed to like i i want to have something that can connect to you know yeah um this happened in the late 80s or early 90s you know grunge came up alternative music right you know kind of washed away the sea of hair metal and like really slick overproduced pop that was all the rage then you know your janet jacksons and your paula abdul's who you know they didn't they never really went away but um that that sort of again that authentic authentic sort of music you can connect to with the times came up from a grunge alternative music perspective that kind of uh, reset the sort of rock um context you know so yeah and maybe i feel like that actually yeah that also happened in the uh the transition from the 60s to 70s absolutely yeah i think everyone was getting sick of the overproduced flower power and the now yeah Right. Everyone was trying to be a psychedelic rock band, and then yeah, ni- you know, nineteen sixty nine. Everybody got sent was very yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Overdoses, uh, uh, right? Um, the war, right? The war. Uh, the who? What's the who's the killer guy? Um, oh, a Manson. Oh, oh yeah, Manson. Like that totally. Yeah, killed the the hippie yeah. movement, and then nineteen seventy comes along, and Black Sabbath brings the metal. <laughs> Right. And everything got darker and punk yeah. really started to yep. get a foothold. And yeah, I think maybe we're just going through it's the yeah. third phase, another yeah. cycle of that where right. we had this huge 2000s to 2010s where everything was super like produced Over- and poppy and let's go party and yay. But tragedy hits and everyone's like, you know, we're we're feeling stuff and I don't really yeah. feel like the poppy stuff speaks to me it right doesn't now. it doesn't cut it anymore right it's, no, it's right. It seems a little disingenuous right exactly yeah i, I think that's going to be for a bit again i mean it, it is interesting how cyclical things are but i think yeah just coming out of the times we're in now where things have just been again really dark and still there's still a level of uncertainty yeah um there's just probably that more sense of reflection and uh finding that uh that sense of truth to connect to you know so I'm all for it. Let's take a quick break and spin up another tune from Dan's EP. This is called Jaded.
some new material um are you doing sort of more of like a the single strategy with kind of reduce or, or uh, as i stumble here uh releasing mm-hmm. songs like one at a time or are you planning on doing uh another sort of like ep type release or 
Yeah, that's a, a good question because, yeah, the, the release strategy is kind of the yep. big question for musicians right now. I like, oh, is, yeah. yeah. Is it actually worth putting out a right. big pile yeah. of songs in this stupid algorithmic world we live in? Right. And uh, <laughs> we'll get around to Spotify too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the business, yeah, so that's the business mind. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> The business mind says absolutely not why would you as a right. small fry put out right anything more than like three songs at a time yeah like it's, it's just not all of it's going to get listened to like you're, you're going to get lost so right you know if you really and then from an artistic standpoint if you want to if you want your stuff to get heard then yeah it's kind of weird the best route is to just keep pumping them out as singles offering up to the algorithm yeah. gods and hope that it yeah, catches, catches. traction. Yeah. Cause yeah, also yeah. people are like, I mean, obviously this is excluding the actual music fans out here and the people who are actually getting right. invested in the scene. Yeah. But you know, to get a bigger audience, like people, the general listenership, the casual fan is totally, I think, uh, caught up in listening with their, their eyes as my yeah. friend puts it they, like, oh absolutely if if somebody's low in numbers it, it seems to like decrease the right validation of that artist and people won't give them a, a chance well, and it's like this could be the next john lennon you're passing up i don't know like you yeah. don't know and i mean there's the the challenge of that and, and also the context of like when the pandemic hit everybody had to start thinking about doing video now yeah. Um, you know, so having that visual presence for people to react and not even for people to passively enjoy uh, thinking about the sort of paradigm that TikTok has introduced where um, you put your your music out there and it, now it's just kind of thought of as content. Right. Which is kind of right. sad. But, yeah, you know, but the, the goal is to get people to react to it, not even to just listen to it and consume it. It's, mm -hmm. oh, like, I, you know, you want to get a reaction video to something or somebody sitting there is lip syncing along to your song or something. And that's that's a, a new sort of um, mark of success with that, too. So this video, again, what you're saying, what you touched on with the visual element is such more of a crucial thing now. Um yeah. Which it's, it's again, so that's where the new grind is. I think there's so much work that has to be thought through with that. And, you know, I, I've had some other guests on here and they, they eat the video stuff up. Like they just seem to have an innate gift for it and more power to them. I mean, if you have all the time in the world to go and produce videos on, on your, whatever device you can have it be impactful and, and you can spend the time disseminating that and marketing that. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, at the end of the day, I'm still, I'm, I, and it's probably just a generational thing for me. Like, I, I still like the idea of like putting an album together. Oh, yeah. And, no, like, and, and the musician in me loves that. Yeah. And being able, exactly. And then you want to go sit in your living room or wherever you listen to music. And if, if you know, you're able to get the, the scratch together to actually put it on vinyl, you know, mm -hmm. so put, put that side on and just listen to it, flip the side over, maybe have a cup of coffee or a glass of wine or cocktail or oh, yeah. whatever. And you make a, an hour investment out of that or 45 minute investment out of that time. Um, and, and there's a, an experience that goes along with that, you know, that, 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 that cuts totally counter to the sort of um, singles as background music um, paradigm that mm -hmm. music is now for anybody else. 
with consuming music. It's like this digital format. And, you know, what am I going to listen to throughout my day while I'm doing other things as a passive listener that's going to get, or it's going to get me going at the gym or my run right. or whatever it is, you, you know, so you, the, the music has to be fit into that context as well. Um, so it, it's such a, a weird spot to be in, in that sense, you know, and yeah, it seems like the, the single strategy really like lends itself to, to that, like, okay, you can be easily consumed that way. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's like the artistic side, like we're talking about, or as a, as a guitar player or as a musician where you want to have that that statement of work that 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 piece of well whatever it is a collection of songs or maybe it's a narrative that goes across the side of an album or whatever it is um and you put that on and and, and, you know is that really an antiquated thing or is it you know is it coming back into fashion i I honestly don't know i mean i like both sides of it yeah yeah i think it eventually will come back into fashion and right now it's just like Right. It's just a niche market. I mean, I think there's still yeah. a market for like concept albums. Uh, I mean, yeah. I'm a, I love concept albums. Uh, I'm a huge prog. Nut. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Stephen Wilson is one of my also oh, absolutely, time influences yeah. is just like a musician and a songwriter. Like, and even if maybe not every album is a full fledged concept album, you can tell there's like, there's themes. Continuity, right. Yeah. There's continuity. It's, it's a, it's meant to be listened to altogether. Like there, you get more, I think, bang for your buck. If you listen to it all together than piecing it out throughout playlists and and stuff. to whatever you think that song fits that mood or whatever. Uh, And I think, I think it will come back. I think it's just going to take, a while yeah for uh the value of music to come come back because like you were mentioning it's all about like what mood does this song fit and it's like well unfortunately yeah. that that lends to everyone treating even the best artistic music i guess like even the best music right is still yeah it's become music now right. it's all just yeah. background music it's, it's a pair it's, it's a pair of shoes you put on right right yeah and i think that's it's been horrible for the music scene across the world right. yeah because it's totally devalued music and uh so i guess like personally i'm gonna probably do a few singles first before i do another like yeah uh bigger project just logistically it makes more sense to when you're starting to grow an audience give them a little bit over i guess a shorter period of time in between yeah to keep them interested to keep them coming back and also like people's attention spans are slim to none so yeah. it's and hard to ask people to, yeah right and it's hard to get people to listen to a newbie for like six songs it's and it's, it's a little I and mean, it's still hard to get them to just check out a single right but it's still easier so it's like here check out this single i'm yeah. gonna just put everything i got into this single i hope you love it and then maybe that will catch some people yeah. they'll add it to their favorite playlist and so when the time comes around to release another thing yeah you're fresh in the mind you keep that snowball going and then hopefully you can eventually put out like a bigger body of work that will actually be appreciated rather than just kind of you know right thrown out into the ether and yeah just to exist for 
exactly it's a it's a kind of cynical i guess approach i'm trying to be realistic though and with an optimistic twist that eventually right people will start getting sick of it it's sick of the the norm that is right now like the algorithmic playlists i think people are already starting to notice that oh yeah uh, and like everything's starting to sound the same why does that sound the same it's like well because everyone is trying to get into the playlist well how do you get into the playlist well you have to sound like that right (laughs) so everyone's just like everyone's a curator now and the curation process is really what you know it's the analogy of uh like 15 years ago with the brick wall mastering on everything that was on everything Mm -hmm. You know, there was no dynamic mastering on your music or mixing. It was all this like maximum loudness, you know. So then, yeah. you know, whatever, four or 500 albums of that, like everything is just so loud that you, you can't even listen to anything anymore because it's just loud, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same kind of thing with, you know, the genres and all that too. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, so that's a good segue into the um, talking about streaming. If you, you want to, have a conversation about the spotify debacle that's going on right now um For sure yeah to talk controversies uh, <laughs> yeah. i love it good yeah so um there's been a, a lot about this and it, it's you know as musicians we say oh yeah you know spotify has screwed us well yes it, spotify has yeah. screwed us for sure um but everybody's on spotify and that's the, the freaking paradox is like that's yeah that's what I started when I was doing uh, rock in Chicago. I fired this back up a couple of years ago was the playlist. Cause everybody wants playlists. Everybody's doing playlists now. Mm-hmm. What better way? Okay. We'll just start creating playlists of local bands, you know? Um, but man, it, you know, it, it's just, for, for me, it was like, all right, it's the fact that everybody's here, but like, you know, I'm looking at my metrics of like, okay, what is this really bringing value wise outside of somebody could say, Hey, I'm on a rock in Chicago playlist. Not much, you know? And over time I stopped doing them because it's just like, I'm not really bringing anything to the table. I'm bringing more to the table. If I go to your band camp and buy a track, right. Mm-hmm. Or like yeah. if I buy a shirt or, or whatever it is as a consumer and as a music fan, um, and, and that's, that's the reality of it. I mean, and, you know, either way, it's like, you know, I'm, you know, not going to really further your career aspirations with that, but man, that, that return on investment is so much greater when it's direct. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you, you know, I, I've been kind of just reticent about like, like just kind of jumping on that and just ditching the whole streaming stuff because there's so many people who are on it. And so many people yeah. who ask me like, Hey, I want to make a Spotify playlist. And, and especially the last, the last few weeks, since the stuff with Joe Rogan, Rogan came out and then, you know, Neil Young really kind of speaking up, pulling mm-hmm. all his tunes. And now you start seeing these bigger, older acts that are just, you know, they're, they're kind of getting back to what you think of their heroic ethics were from being sixties artists of like, all right, they've had enough of this shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're pulling off and it's like, okay, and but you know i'm still thinking like and at the end of the day it's not going to matter much i could pull my tunes off you could pull your tunes off okay whatever you, you know um right it's like uh right it's the small guys yeah. the small guys can't yeah. really yeah the top 10 15 percent of the people who are on spotify i was reading this really well-written piece today yeah um let me pull it up what's her name 
and yes, I will edit this pause and dead air out. <laughs> oh, for sure. We do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. So this Rachel Hurley, um, who's, who's been involved okay. in the music. And yeah, so she put out this really well-written piece and it's really from more of a, an economic angle. And, mm-hmm. and her, her whole her thing is that, you know, the Joe Rogan, Neil, Neil Young, I was going to say Neil Diamond, shame on me. <laughs> <laughs> it, I'm out. That, that, that whole, that whole debacle of, of all that doesn't really mean a hill of beans difference. It, 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 it's from an economic standpoint stuff. Spotify, she says, doesn't make any money. Right. Okay. All right. Her, her, her point is, uh, and what it is is the layers of the payouts for, the artists who have the greatest share of streamings make the most money. Okay, that makes some sense. I, I get that. Um, but, you know, and then you hear about, you know, Daniel Exworth and all this stuff. And then it's like, all right. I, her, 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 basically, her point is there's too many musicians. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's what she boils it all down to. You, you I mean, know, yeah, there's too many people making music. It's just, it's flooded, you know, too much, too much supply, not enough demand. <laughs> yes. So, right. okay. I have a response. Yeah. It's going to come in tears. Go for it. <laughs> um, the first tier, because I've, I've thought about this a lot. I've talked to many yeah. musicians about this and, yeah. you know, part of this may be controversial to some, but you know, Hey, we, we live and breathe this shit every day man. right right so the first one is uh just to address the the neil young Joni mitchell the the like yeah right. the, it, seeming the there's momentum for musicians to leave spotify yeah. right cool they needed a scapegoat right. right that's yeah that's cool but you pick the dumbest reason right to do so like right. that is not the hill to die on one right. podcaster no matter how big he is yeah that's not the issue <laughs> like exactly it's so far from the issue like there's right there's worse shit on spotify than joe rogan having a couple right. controversial people on his show right like so that was just perplexing to me because yeah. the if you really wanted to to start something that people could really rally behind, like all the musicians could rally behind is, yeah, you don't say you're leaving because Joe Rogan said some things you don't agree with. You should really be pulling out because Spotify and the whole streaming uh, services, like all of them, and it's not just Spotify. Oh no, yeah, it is, yeah. The whole way this has been set up now is really the problem. It's It's inequitable, right. Right, it's what's helped devalue music it's what's helped oversaturate the entire industry right and so that then brings me to like the next tier of which you know the that um journalist uh reporter uh columnist i guess whatever Whatever the one you just brought up yeah um basically boiling it down to we just there's too many musicians and it's like i mean she's kind of Right. That's another facet yeah. of the problem is that there's just the bar is really oversa- low. Right. Yeah. Because 
with services like DistroKid, anyone can throw 20 bucks up and upload as pretty much as much as they want. Exactly. And that isn't really good for any market to have that kind of excess of um, product, you know? I guess if we're just looking at it as a business sense, calling the music product, I know. I, I, right. I don't mean to offend. I'm just trying to boil it down to Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Business yeah. things. Um, right. But if you're looking at it as that in a in it's, business senses then that's like yeah no that's horrible you just flooded right. the the market with so much and and again yeah not to offend but a lot of it is mediocre yeah a i mean that's the is, right you know people it's just like, getting a laptop think they can make some beats and then they throw it up there or, or yeah. somebody with an acoustic guitar you know, recorded himself on GarageBand. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be doing that. They should start, everyone has to start somewhere. But is it really, like, I think- There's no filter the, anymore. Right, there's no there's filter. No way, that, think, that was the role in the old days with the record industry of having mm -hmm. an A&R person who was mm -hmm. out checking out bands. That was the person who made sure that the the- you know, and unfortunately, back then it was there were, were too few too few A and R people, or they were, right. you know, it was skewed. It was still skewed, but the idea of the A and R person, your artist and repertoire person, could help develop that person. Even if they saw somebody like I think, and I'm sorry, I cut you off. I think you were getting to, like, you yeah. can get started in, in your career aspirations as a musician but you still have to hone your craft and make it something yes. worthwhile instead of this. Oh, I'm a musician. I, I, you're right. I, I got garage band. I got Reaper or whatever. I'm just going to mm -hmm. dump my crap up there. Right. Yeah. 100%. You know. That's exactly what I was about to say. I was like, right. Yeah. This may sound uh, controversial and. Oh but, yeah. Uh, you know, I think we need to bring back the a &R right. guys. We need to bring yeah. back some form of gatekeeping to, exactly. to yeah. even out this mess because. Right. You know, and at, like everyone calls it a double-edged sword now with like, oh, yeah. it's so easy to make music. It's so easy to put it out there. But now there's all this, you know, amazing music. And like, is there oh, though? That's amazing. Is there? Because it's, right. <laughs> it's pretty homogenized now. I think it's yeah. because it's so easy. Yeah. People think they can do it and they basically just, right. they put up, because there's like three stages and uh, well, I don't know if it's a cliche or uh, yeah. Uh, proverb or something but there's a saying that's like you know every artist's journey you start off just mimicking yeah. you start off copying people you have to learn somewhere right yeah. so right like nobody's really that original when they first start it just doesn't really happen you you're yeah. going to sound like somebody derivative like even yeah. even my favorite like incubus their first album fungus among us is yeah go, basically a complete ripoff of red hot chili peppers and rage right. against the machine Yep. It's like, yeah. I mean, it's cool. It's great, but it's also, yeah, yeah they haven't found their sound yet. Right. And it hasn't melded. Uh, right. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, so everyone's just like, oh, yeah. So then the second phase is, um, oh, shoot. What is the second phase? It's, it's like mimic, it's mimicking and, or, no, imitate. Then, ah, shoot. The last one's finally innovate. There's a middle one there. Uh, but uh, the, um, imitate something. And, and then it's like but, a, the, the maturation process or the, yeah. 
like when you're making, you know, whatever beer or alcohol or whatever, whatever you want to use is that, that the incubation process of, right. Of when, you know, it's starting to become its own thing, its identity, its taste. Um, mm-hmm. It has to, has to have a period of like sitting and, and developing, you know? Yeah. yeah I, and- I, I see the pattern you're talking about and that's, that's really right, right there, you know, but yeah. Yeah. But now people are just uploading right in their imitation phase. Yeah, there's no, there's and, no, there's no even innovation because it's just yeah, they're just output. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody makes it to the innovation phase. I mean, I'm sure that there's obviously people that are, but it's just getting buried because it's so yeah. much easier to be in the imitation phase and so much easier to upload all that crap. Yeah. So that gets, but right. because it sounds like everything else, that's what's actually getting yeah. into playlists because the algorithm picks that up that sounds exactly like this let's throw it in there right and so you just get all this mediocre homogenized bs and so i think the answer which not many people are going to like is yeah we kind of need to bring back gate gatekeepers some kind of a and r guys that aren't just following view counts or algorithmic you know trends somebody who's actually going out to shows and and seeing these what these people can do in a live setting because a and yeah. people don't do that anymore it's all behind yeah. a computer screen checking out what's trending on tiktok and most and then, jur- right i was going to say to add to that yeah. too the same thing with the journalism it's the same mm-hmm. problem i mean we don't really have journalists anymore we have again content creators right you, you know if you go read stuff on rolling stone now i i, I rarely read rolling stone anymore when i was growing up that was if you got oh, your stone got so bad. <laughs> oh man. But I mean, there's, there's, just, now. there's tons of just online media pres- publications where it's not even about um, like showcasing an artist or content. It's clickbait, you know, everything is so oh, yeah. clickbait oriented now that, you know, and, and the stuff that's just pumped out on social media is just, just to rile people up. Right. So that's useless. Man. I mean, what's God. annoying about that? What's yeah. annoying about that is that, uh, like, because, like, some things will be so egregiously clickbait. Yeah. Um, that sometimes I'll click on them just to see if they actually get to the click clickbait part. Or like, let's see if this actually pans out. And usually it never does. It's just right. the title, and yeah. uh, it's super misleading. And uh, what's annoying is that everyone agrees like when you go to the comments people are starting to yell like clickbait there's such clickbait what the hell right. but it doesn't matter to them because you you clicked it right and so they still got their right they got the click they, they still won <laughs> yeah. and so they can keep doing that right because even if it pisses you off right you're still gonna do it you gave them a and response think, and an interaction yeah yeah and i think that's the uh, second part of the solution yeah. Along with a couple other things, but the second part is people uh, instead of algorithms. Yeah, kill kill the agro algorithms. Yeah. I don't know how that's possible. Yeah, I think without some kind of like government uh, intervention, right. but like yeah, these algorithms are totally just messing society up. I don't. Yeah, I don't see any real benefit to them anymore. I I'm yeah. only seeing uh, negative effects. Yeah. I mean, it cuts across the board in any facet of life, too. Like, I remember reading an article. I, I work in the IT field uh, for my day job. Um, mm-hmm. And there was an article that came out, and I was reading on my LinkedIn, um, about the sort of 
implicit bias in algorithms when you know they were, uh, companies were using algorithms to read resumes. And they would, and this just goes right into like kind of the context of like racism of like, they would look at, you know, it would look at types of names in street addresses and based on those rules um, that it would disqualify certain street addresses, certain zip codes, certain names of people that oh, had, wow. that, that had, that had those hits versus people who from, you know, more affluent areas. And Again, yeah. So something that sounds like it would be more of a a leveling of the playing field with an algorithm, still, it's still dangerous and it's still damaging to society. Yeah, right. I, I mean, and that's such a huge like. I mean, not, nothing to do with even music. It's just like this is these are these are the things that like massive companies are just employing. We're seeing it in Spotify. We're seeing it on social media. Yeah, and 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 it's manipulating so many things in our lives now, right? 100%. Um, yeah, but. Um, it gets it back because it's like they're they're amazing like tools, yeah, t- tools, but they're like almost too efficient. Yeah, like they're too efficient to a fault. Where they like it, 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 it amplifies the problems more than it's it solves them. Right. Yeah. 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 It's. it's I mean, how do we? Right. What What chance is there of of? Right. Because. Like, let's say we finally do get enough of the top 15% artists out there to pull from, well, right now the move is Spotify, but like, okay, right. well, the problem right there is. Who's going to undercut well, Apple, that? Right. Yeah. And Apple Music's doing the same thing. And, and YouTube's like the, the worst. <laughs> and YouTube, right. It's like your stuff is all still on YouTube, you know, like, what right. you, you know, yeah. like, yeah. And, and like the hypocrisy in Neil Young's decision, it's like, well, I'm pulling from Spotify and. Right. doing these deals with amazon and like whoa whoa like right amazon is the the right the better alternative here yeah, really the space dick man <laughs> right yeah yeah like uh <laughs> dude, you kind of just yeah i don't know yeah that's it's 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 right joe joe rogan just became basically a, a scapegoat you right know, in that and it's so lazy yeah it's just yeah it's like oh i'm gonna just change make this business decision and try to have some sort of social uh, capital out of my decision making right. process and, and rile up people right <sighs> yeah also like didn't he already sell his entire catalog so like what right. he doesn't yeah. even have anything to all right and he uh, probably gets a percentage or something or maybe he gets a uh, royalty yeah. rate on some of the, the transactions but like yeah uh, it, it just smells man you know mm-hmm. i mean i don't i i can't stand joe rogan but like it's like the <laughs> the, the the logic just did not match right. up of like you're not doing this because of this because some guy posted some bullshit episode on his podcast you know how many bullshit episodes of podcasts that are sitting on spotify i mean yeah. like oh, come on man like he's just yeah he is he's an easy target right now yeah. So right. Because oh. he's the most popular. It's like right, and he's he's in the media, mm-hmm. right? Every, everybody likes to hate him right now because right. you know, and he's just a polarizing individual, same as you know Alex Jones or our former president. It's like yeah, the the, the right reasons though. I mean, it was so it's a tipping point, and then from my perspective, like yeah, I, I kind of started this entity on that, but then you you hit the point, and it's been in the back of my head of like what I'm doing and why I'm doing this. And, and granted, I'm not making people tons of money with my podcast or my little website, 
but it's mm-hmm. the, the role of curation and, and people who understand really what the value of curation is. That's what the A&R people used to do. Mm-hmm. And people who are really more ethically oriented as journalists back in the, the heyday of rock journalism and music journalism, even, even in the, the jazz heydays as well. Like, um, you know, the ones who write or the ones who curate, um, that's that's that function of like, okay, we have to lift up the people who are really working it. That's always been one of my things as if I'm going to help promote things in our, our music scene. Like I, I want to find, I mean, it doesn't have to be the, the best at, or in terms of like my personal taste and aesthetics because my stuff's mm-hmm. all over the place, but I want to see somebody who's out there working it. You know, they're putting yeah. in the time they're putting in the grind and they're evolving themselves. Like those, those three phases that you mentioned about imitate, whatever it is. I, I, well, let's just say incubate. And then, <laughs> I think that um, is actually what it is. Yeah. It, it rolls off it the top. So, yeah. <laughs> imitate, incubate, and innovate, you know, yeah. they're able to work and transgress that pattern to a point where they've really defined themselves and developed their own sound. And they've found some visibility and success with that, you know? Yeah that they get the support, you know? Um, yeah. And that, um, that, you know, I think you're kind of in a similar sense as well. You know, it's like, if you're going to spend the time to do it. And for me, it's, you know, I, I do this as, in a sense, it's a hobby. Um, mm-hmm. I, we, you know, we both have our music projects that we do. Um, but for me, it's that, um, yeah, I want, I want to see and try to like help move the needle for people who are really trying to like, put out some good music and make some good art and yeah. who are really trying to get it out you know um because yeah there's so many people i've run across where it's like you know they're they're never you're never going to see them on like uh, the Lollapalooza stage you know and maybe that's not yeah. such a bad thing but just yeah, that tenable level is also kind of Right. Gone down a different path. (laughs) For sure. You know, but that level of success that used to be, that was the golden path back in the day when there was the record recording industry of like, oh yeah, you'll get to play festivals. You'll get to not have to think about where your next rent check is coming from, or, you know, if you have kids, put your kids in college or, or whatever, whatever it is, you know, having that, that's that successful rewarding career as a a full-time musician. Um, it's yeah it's so much of a challenge to 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 get to that now you know um yeah but um, uh, yeah i think we're very much trying to do the same thing yeah Uh, yeah yeah yeah. like with the underbelly hours i recently just had a or i mean we we kind of like restarted uh what was it i guess last year it's 2022 now wow right what year is it (laughs) Yeah, like geez. Forgot about uh, 2020. It didn't exist. It was a leap year. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's all, it's gonna be such a huge gap in everyone's memory. Like, yeah. I was like, what did we actually do? Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Thing inside really just messes with you. Yeah. But um yeah, we tried to do things through Zoom and we were also just kind of freshly independent, uh, because we were at using Elmhurst College's radio for right. a bit. And we had to fill a longer time slot. So we had to have like two guests on per week. Yeah. And, you know, that was the format you had to guarantee the station, right? Yeah. Yeah, And so we were trying to continue that. Yeah. Being independent just because that was the the format. So, but then we kind of kept 
running into instances where it's like, do we do, do we really like uh, like who we're having on, or are we right. just having them on because they have asked us like three times now? Right, you're trying to be nice, and right, right, and I'm not saying that they're like bad or or won't ever be good, but maybe they just weren't at the spot they needed yeah. to be at, and so right, and and. And then we were thinking, it's like, well, okay, what's our mission? We're trying to boost up the local scene. Yeah. How do we do that? Well, right. we need to find the the listenership, like the music fans out there, not just the musicians, because yeah. most of our listenership was just other musicians. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's not, I mean, that's going to grow somewhat of a scene, but what will really build a scene is having your average Joe love coming out to shows and listening and tuning in and stuff. Well, how do we get that? Right. Uh, we got to curate a little bit more. We got to make sure that every episode has somebody really special yep. and unique. Like, and so when we we took a break because the Zoom yeah. format for us was just kind of draining because it's me and Adela plus however many guests. You know, it's it's not just a one on one. Like this is easy still over Zoom. But yeah. When we're, when we're trying to do Zoom with like five people, it's rough. And video. Man. It's, yeah. Yeah. You know, people are talking over each other. Nobody knows when to step in. It's hard to get the visual cues of like, oh, I, I, I got to say something. Right. But um, so we took a break and we started back up last year with like the mission. Yeah, we have to raise the bar. And that's going to require like we're we're going to be bad guys to some people. Some people yeah. are not going to like this because we're going to have to turn them down because they just yeah. aren't that ready yet. But it's for the betterment of the scene because. Right. You know, we, we got to get the average fan to trust our, right. what we're saying is good. If we exactly. don't believe in that every episode exactly. and yeah, there's still, there's still some acts that we have on where it's like, yeah, I dig them, but Adela really loves them. And right. like, yeah, then that's still going to be a great episode. Even if they're just not my genre. Right. I know they're so good, you yeah. know, and there's, they're still definitely worth so it's like, yeah, we have to kind of come into agreement. They all have to have this X factor of like, this is something that can easily, right? like they can easily go into bigger things. And that's yeah. what we need to pump out. Because there's so much of that still to choose from. Like and, those, yeah, I mean, even the trimming other, the fat, there's still so much great stuff undiscovered. Yeah. The other piece of it, and again, this is the, the A&R side of it kind of coming back out again. So when I used to do the podcast, like from 2012 to 2015, it was more assembly line, like you were talking about, because I actually had an, an internet radio show I was running for a bit with the format. And it was a, it was a three hour slot. And I was like, all right, well, I mean, it's three guests because <laughs> it's a music show. I'm not going to play MP3s for three hours. That's nuts. You know? Yeah. Um, you have on three guests and, you know, but it became a sausage factory. Was like all right well what are you doing mm. what what are your what's your shows what are you promoting what are you but there's no real depth right. and you know and then the, the the bands that were good like we didn't play as many tunes you know or i would i would actually cut other tunes out of the rotation because like we would have an engaging conversation um they could talk about themselves they could talk about things in the world and they could give uh, the casual listener a sense of who they were as identity as an artist um, and to me, that was way, way better quality content, you know, than just mm -hmm. hearing the blurb. I'm like, I could just post that on social media for them. I could share their flyer with the episode. 
you know, um, and I got to a point where I was like, all right, I'm going to have my own website. So we could just post all that together. Um, you know, um, and then that people could just go to that when they're listening to the website, they could just check out all that information. Cause it's like, there's just that, that, that promo level, it's not a conversation, you know, promo is just promo. Right. Um, and, and you see that in new bands, they don't get that yet. You know, and I, I tell some of these bands that have emailed me too, that want to get on my, on my show here. Like, what do you have going on? What is your story? What are you doing? What, what, what is it? You know? And, you know, even when I was last year, I was doing kind of a roundup post because um, I would get bands who want to be on the podcast, but I can only do the podcast one day a week. And now mm-hmm. it's, you know, I've kind of pulled back a little bit more on that because I have other stuff going on. Um, but it's like, all right, the, the, the stop gap was the roundup, but it was also a way to get a sense of like who these people were and also start the curation process, you know? Um, and then, you know, people who couldn't talk about themselves in a way that to sell themselves, at least, you know, like, oh, you have a new single. Well, what is it about? You, you know, that level of thinking about what you're doing versus like, oh, I'm just making music because I can. You know, that's that's kind of, for me, a deciding factor. And that's one of the, you know, I, I would say I don't I wouldn't say a secret of my sauce because, you know, mm-hmm. um, but to me, that's what makes my, it worthwhile for my time, you know, being able to talk, you and I having this conversation at a kind of almost like an industry level, but also as a guitar player level and music musician level, um, that's worth my time. That's something I want to do. I like using this to meet other people in the community here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what no, makes this has been work. one of my favorite interviews yeah. ever. <laughs> this has been great. Oh, cool. Um, and well, you know, but that's, that's what it is. It's like, cause you know, the, the people who I have learned about who listen to podcasts, you know, trying to find that's the audience, really. It's not necessarily like trying to make fans for the mus- musicians I have on that's, that's great if it can happen, but mm. you know, that's hard, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's very hard to do, um, it, you know, but if I can do that as a byproduct, but like, if we can have an engaging conversation to where people want to come back to my podcast or they want to check out the underbelly hours um, after listening to this. Um, mm-hmm. Awesome. You know, cause we're kindred spirits here. We're kind of trying to do the same thing and, but and not just like just promote stuff and throw music and links and shit that they see inundated with, with Facebook ads every day when they log in to Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever they're on, but like just to have some engaging in-depth con- content, you know? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, yeah, people have kind of, that is the cool thing about podcasting. Yeah. Since it's blown up is that I think people really started appreciating just kind of like the art form of conversation. Yeah. And they love tuning in to yeah. really like you know, conversations that have a lot of depth to it. A lot of yeah. things that they can just sink their teeth into and think about. Uh, throughout their day it's like wow that was that's like an interesting thing I didn't think about that before and you know that kind of stuff sticks with you and absolutely a lot of people like like it's great because a lot of people might not have like a a circle of friends that that can get into deep conversations with them or or maybe they just are working so much all the time yeah they don't have time to get together with people and and talk shop or have meaningful in-depth conversations and so they they get that through these podcasts which is a really cool thing you know that and yeah it's like we never had this before no No. yeah i I got into it from npr like Mm. 
I mean, as far as like the the form of it, because there would be shows on NPR that I like that actually end up becoming podcasts or they were rebroadcast from podcasts on the on mm-hmm. NPR's uh, station, you know. Um, but that it, it sort of I don't want to say it's like edu- entertainment news, but it's uh, there there is an entertainment factor, but there's a um, a narrative structure versus it just being straight news or straight promo. Um, that but also goes along with the idea of like you know when you're having conversations too, um, it, it, that's what lends it, it make to me it makes it unique about the podcast is like being able to have a good conversational flow creates that storyline it create it creates that journey for take a, the listener on you know so yeah and you know it, it proves that who you're listening to is actually like a real yeah. person and interesting and it's not just you know the right. same right like when you whenever you watch like an actor doing the late night talk show yeah it's like yeah uh it's so like it's such a uh like facade version of of themselves like it's it's, a sausage factory yeah right like yeah you might get some cool sound bites out of it but what would be really interesting is if you did a podcast interview with somebody for like two hours that's how you really get yeah you know somebody's real personality out is absolutely talk to them unfiltered you know see where the conversation goes can they hold a conversation without it getting right. stale right you know? and that's, i mean it, i think it i think this is also kind of i mean well there's obviously some people <laughs> mostly like people on twitter and reddit that don't get it but the the quiet majority i think their bs meter has really you know gotten some upgrades with all this podcasting because they they can kind of tell a lot better now when somebody's kind of just not speaking their their honest truth or or, you know like you can tell it's like this guy this guy's playing an angle or something like it's so clear after 30 minutes in this is just it's weird (laughs) yeah or the opposite effect where it's like oh my gosh i thought this person was a hack but hearing him talk for 45 minutes was right like, right this guy's actually pretty awesome i was i was yeah. wrong yep yeah so I, I think it's yeah and that's what we try and do too uh yeah underbelly hours now is kind of like yeah we we get into their music and stuff but i'm trying to right dive deeper i want to get their personalities out because if somebody's actually yeah. going to be interested it's it's going to be right. from that not yeah, just them you got to you find their you got to be able to help them find their passion or get them to talk about that at least right yes yeah yeah but uh all right dan well thanks so much for uh chatting with me it was uh, good good talking with you and um, thanks so much for having me on yeah enjoy your music and well we'll keep in touch man you have a good night awesome man thank you you too see you you can find out more about dan asio and his music uh on the feature page at rocketchicago.org and also, please do check out his podcast, uh, Underbelly Hours. That is part of Aux Chicago. They are an organization who focuses on arts, culture, and mental health. They do great things. They have multiple podcasts, actually, as part of their sort of collective uh, doing good stuff. And uh, glad to see Dan is part of that as well. So you can check that out at Aux Chicago. And um, we'll have links to all that up on his feature page as well. Lastly, Dan did curate a list. 
and uh, given light of our conversation tonight and what's been going on with Spotify, uh, we moved away from that. So uh, go check out his page. There's a list of bands that he um, is recommending uh, with their links to their various uh, social media properties and Bandcamp links on rockinchicago.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we're going to leave you with one last track. This is Don't Know Anything off of Dan's latest release, Still Jaded. Cheers. Cheers.